Today's guest was Brando Hasek from Body by Brando in Sydney. Uh, we've known each other since 2013, 2014, when Brando came along to a handstand workshop that I was running, and then we've uh, worked together a bit through Real Movement Project. And yeah, he's really been a guy that has gone after it. He's 26 now, and we cover quite a lot of his journey of how he's got to run you know, one of the top sort of facilities uh, in Sydney and his journey so far, his goals, what's next, the biggest challenges with running a facility and some of the key markers that he values uh, as a gym owner. I think you're going to get a lot out of today's episode and yeah, I really, really enjoyed uh, the conversation. I love the journey that, that Brando's on and I think we did a decent job of kind of getting that out. So hope you enjoy it and if you've got any feedback for me, please reach out. In other news, Real Movement has begun again. Real Movement had a bit of a hiatus. It's gone through a lot of different journeys and I've been pretty open about how all that's gone down over the last few years. But it's back. We're back in full force. Uh, since uh, a week and a half, the mentorship has been back online. We're filling out 20 early bird places. Uh, we're almost there. So if you're looking for one of them, you better be listening to this pretty close to release and you'd better take some action pretty quickly if you need any more information or you want to have a chat and see if it is the path you want to follow the path that brando followed and a lot of guys that we mentioned there in the podcast today have been down uh, then reach out and uh, we can work out if, you, if it's going to be a good fit for you and if you're a good fit for the program i'm very excited to be back in action with real movement it's really fulfilling to have these conversations and help people get clarity on where they're going, why they're going there, how they're going to get there. And then knowing that there's going to be support for their journey for the months and years to come. You know, I still support Brando and, and any of the guys uh, that have sort of done the work and, and stay connected. And I love that. You know, I think there's nothing else out there like this. And, you know, I'm proud to be the founder of it and I'm proud of you know the connections and, and people that we've come in contact with uh, if you're not really thinking that you're going to make a you know investment of thousands of dollars in yourself probably about 20% of what you're going to invest in a university degree then uh, the next level option would be to do the real movement level one the level one will teach you a lot of technical skills but it'll also introduce you to this philosophy and open up ways of thinking about what you do uh, that will present new possibilities for your future. I guarantee you'll walk away from the Real Movement Level 1 with newfound clarity on who you are, where you're going, how you're going to get there. There's only 20 places per event, so it's very personal, and you know there's a lot of detail. It's two days. Together with that event, you're also going to do 10 hours of online education. So I always felt like there was too much time pressure to really be able to get the messages across that I wanted to at the events. So what I've done is package that up into an online course, which you do before you come to the level one. And you know you already have a deep understanding and connection to the real movement philosophy and what we're going to go through. You already have a feel for that before you come to the event. So that is the deal. At the moment, it's half price. It's $500 for both the 10 hours online and the two-day face-to-face event. I've done events at the past in the past for you know $700 just for a similar sort of two-day event with no online component. So I believe this is absolutely amazing value. We've sold out venues of you know 30, 40, 50 people. Um, we just we're sticking to 20. It's all about quality. It's about results and about delivery. So if that's what you're about and you can feel that this is going to take you to another level if you want to be challenged, if you want more support, if you want to take your life to another place, then 
that's what we're doing. That's why this podcast is up. The podcast is is dipping your toe in the water. You should listen to the podcast, and and you should you know you should engage with this process. The next step is to really be you know be an action taker, be someone who will back themselves, invest in themselves, and go to another level. I've invested over one hundred fifty thousand dollars in my education. Uh, well, some of it my parents paid for in the initial phases. I, I must admit, but yeah. Definitely over $150,000 worth of education uh, to, to get to where I am today. And I hope and plan to invest millions more. Um, if I can do that, then I know I'm going to live a great life. So my feeling is that the more you learn, the more you earn, you've got to invest in yourself. Um, this is something that both Warren Buffett and Charles Poliquin spoke in detail about. And yeah, I... I've never been more confident in the process and the package and the team that we've built. You're not just going to learn from me. You're going to learn from multiple other successful coaches, facility owners, great athletes. The team that we've assembled is unlike anything else out there. And the program has real heart. I know the names of the people that I work with. We spend time together. They visit with me and my family. We train together. Um, this is yeah, unlike anything that's out there. And that's why we've had the kind of results that Brando speaks about in today's podcast. So I'll let you get on with that. Reach out, talk to you soon. Have we done one before? Because why through Zoom? Let's, let's, uh, we can check on Google later. I think we have. We podcasted. Or maybe it was like a webinar. We've definitely been on a lot of webinars together. Mm. We've started. So, tell us about Body by Brando. All right, where do we start? Um, tries. (laughs) <laughs> traps this is a bodybuilding gym in Paddington break it down <laughs> um, nah we where do we want to start do you want to start from the start wherever you want to start <laughs> where are you at now like what's what's exciting about Body by Brando now I think a lot of people who tune in this are going to have sort of seen a bit of your journey yeah and they're probably seeing that you're going really hard at the moment yeah, aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, where are we at now? So now we've got we've got the Jimmy Paddington, yeah. which is cranking. Like it's really good this time of year too. We haven't really like lost any members, so we've sort of like normally you see the waves through summer, winter, winter. Yeah. But this year where we've stayed the same and we're still getting members, so we're getting like yeah, probably ten a month at the moment. So staying consistent around like the one thirty members, which is our like capacity. So good news going forward, and it's just about now seeing if we can get a really good crew together and hopefully we'll start either expanding or, or seeing what's next but that's where we're at now yeah and you've been you've probably been thinking about what's next for a while hey like yeah well we did we tried to go like I've, yeah. I've said this before we tried to go number two a while back we opened up our Tarman yeah and it just failed miserably so I think that's holding me back we're in Sydney yeah <laughs> yeah good and if you heard, if you just heard someone honking their horn it's just because Sydney people are yeah, it's impatient. It's not not, okay. not happy with the traffic situation, etc. So yeah, like talk us through, like I guess sometimes the the challenging experiences are the ones that are valuable to share. Like or, or what? Like what did you learn in that mission of you know opening yeah. the second facility? Like I guess you got a good deal or something, and it just was like, well, let's give this a shot. Or how did that? How that sort of start? Yeah, we did. We that's exactly how it went. Like, and I wrote a post the other day saying like fail forward sort of thing, and I learned that from I don't know someone's pretty standard quote to be honest. I've heard, like, it. <laughs> <laughs> heard it before. I wouldn't. No, have I post. sort of came up with it myself. Uh, <laughs> but it was you just put Brando yeah, Brenda Hassick yeah. underneath <laughs> quotation marks, and it's yours. Yeah, fail forward, fail forward, so, Brenda Hassick, bang. 
Um, no, nah, it was just—it was just really hit me the other day when we were thinking about going um, for a number two again or number three, I suppose. But what happened was, yeah, we'll crank, crank in. We had like a hundred members at Paddington. We had me and a couple of coaches, and we're like, "Fuck, how good is this? Like, we just opened, we're a year in. Mm. How easy is this? We'll just do another one." And I was like, "Yeah, cool." And that sort of came into like we started thinking that at the peak time, yep. and then by the time the ball started rolling, it was like February, March, and then. We got a good deal over the Artarman. Yep. And for me, I was like, oh, it's halfway between where I grew up and the city, which is not really, but that's the story I told myself. And I was like, cool. So people from home might want to then come to the gym because it's closer for them. Mm. And I was like, I'll just open up a second one. But the way it sort of rumbled out was we didn't have enough coaches. So we only had me and like two other coaches, Dan Munberg. Yeah. And, uh, was he, Tim on it that time? Or was Tim that, wasn't that there yet. Yeah. It was before Tim. We might so. touch on your coaches because I reckon you've had some awesome coaches and that's probably a big part of your like, journey with owning a gym as well, right? Like yeah. dealing with coaches. And, and that's, yeah, the biggest part now is dealing with coaches and, and yeah. trying to get them to sort of follow the, the systems. Like they might be a really good coach, but then following your system, you've, you've, got, a like, you've got a product, yeah. so you can't just sort of have six really good coaches doing their own thing it's still got to be like a brand yeah um so that's been a big challenge for us since starting but yeah yeah the um what do we do we we opened up and then it sort of we did a big offer to start with we had like 16 or 20 people take it on and yeah it was at a discount rate so we're sort of breaking even from day one yeah but then it sort of got quite cold it was july august mm. and we went i think we dropped down like eight members and we're running two classes in the morning two in the afternoon was paying the coaches, paying rent, paying all the equipment off. And then I was like, just losing heaps of money. And I didn't have the time because I was still coaching at Paddington, trying to keep that afloat because that sort of went downhill as well. I was like, put oh. a lot of pressure on that facility too. Yeah, it did. It put heaps of pressure on Paddington. Mm. So I think we dropped down to like 80 at Paddington. And we had like six or eight at, <laughs> at um, our time. And so yeah, the finances weren't looking too good. And we lost a fair bit of money doing that. And put pressure on the coaches too because I was like, obviously... I was upset yeah. at myself and it probably like, you know, I was expecting that they might have helped out more, but I couldn't really expect them to because they didn't have the knowledge to do anything about it. Yeah. So I think that put a bit of pressure on them. We did get another good coach in too, Tex, who uh, had a good chat with last week, actually, still around the traps. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's pretty much how it laid out. And then because we were on a second level... The barbell was dropping and there was a business underneath this caused a bit of dramas, but it actually ended up saving us because I used that against the real estate and said that they hadn't, they, yeah, they hadn't, you know, they said it was all going to be fine. And then we walked in there and now we can't run our business properly. It was just me that couldn't run a business properly, but it was, um, don't send this to the real estate agent. If yeah. If anyone knows our time in real estate, don't send it to them. Um, but yeah, we ended up having to buy it, buy the, break the lease, which was like, you know, eight or 10 grand or something. We yeah. lost our bond and then. All the equipment that we bought was like 70 grand. Does it still like, bring fuck. a tear to the eye? It's, it's, uh, not really. Like we're cruising now. So it's, it's just <laughs> I lost like, Bond on a gym too, on a, on a shitty gym deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not I don't Byron. think. Yeah, Byron, yeah. Byron CrossFit. <laughs> it's cranking now. It doesn't bring a tear to the eye. Yeah, they've moved and they're out the back of somewhere. I don't know. I don't really follow what's... It's, had two, it's the second new set of owners since then. Well, Dave's in it now. Yeah, Dave Driscoll from uh, over there in Bali. Bali Wonderlust, yeah. I was literally thinking, because like, I went up to Byron a while, well, when I saw you. Mm -hmm. And then we were like, um, me and Asher dropped into the actual town. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, fuck, how could it be to, to maybe buy into Byron? That's, what, that's the conversation we had. And then like... Oh, yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> and then the next day I was like... Dave Driscoll bought Wonderlust and I was like fuck <laughs> <laughs> just put his fucking stamp everywhere 
It's kind of thing that happens though, isn't it? When you have like an epic idea and if you don't kind of go with it, that's the double edge, isn't it? Because you have this epic idea and you're like, I need to move on this or someone else is going to do it or the opportunity will be lost or, you know, I'll just forget about it. And the other side of the equation is, do I just jump on this, invest, you know, tons of money like in a timing or, you know, whatever, and then it just blows up in your face and you're like, yeah, maybe I didn't think that through quite as much as I... Should have, but if you hey, if you were the defensive player, you probably you never would have had. Never, yeah. Well, you never would have had your, your gym on your on your front porch. Yeah, true. And then you never would have had you know yeah. you never would have jumped into that lease there at, at the old White City tennis courts. That's where it is. Yeah, isn't it? Like, yeah. Uh, that's it. So it's like as much as and I've had like the real you. Like I started a gym franchise and it lasted like fifteen minutes and I, you know, I lost a bunch of money and I, you know a couple of people still dirty on me about you know how it went. Um, not too many, fortunately, but you know if I hadn't. A, being the kind of person that would do that, I wouldn't have been the kind of person to leave the NRL and start real movement. You know, like I wouldn't, yeah. I would have never, it's the same mentality. So you can't have it both ways. Of, yeah. Oh, I'm a defensive player and I weigh up all my decisions and, you know, I'm only going to play when it's a hundred percent versus, you know, like, yeah. that, you know, like you can't have it both ways of not taking any risk at the same sound. time expecting. Got to go through a few rocks to get a diamond, don't you? Well, you don't, you don't know which ones, you know, you can't really know which ones are the best decisions, but you've got to be making decisions, you know, you've got to be like, backing, backing yourself and... How old are you now, anyway? 26. PJ Lane's 26 as well. Yeah. You see that love post I did for him? He's huge. Not for him, but I don't know, he hasn't, he hasn't written anything, he hasn't replied to me or sent me anything. So <laughs> I think I it. Might be like, take that down. Put it on his arms? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Now, Paddy's a legend. Like it's uh, it's so good. It's always good catching up with him. And yeah, like his story is a is a special one. He's a special human. Like just yeah, going to his wedding and stuff is just like this guy's this, this guy's epic. Like he's just uh, he's just heart and soul. Yeah, just yeah. heart and soul, and just puts in everything he does. And you know that's he's twenty six as well. He's coaching the yeah, team right. to an NRL premiership. Like you're twenty six and you're you know building this empire you know you've had to go at so many different things like when i was 26 i was i guess in uh mexico just thinking oh maybe in ecuador teaching english for like five bucks an hour and just thinking well i think it was three bucks an hour us so yeah maybe 450 aussie like it's not too bad when you do the (laughs) the conversion rate but yeah like they were like and and go come like i was thinking about last night i was thinking like when i was there they'll just put me on more and more hours and they were like um, put me on all their, you know, like they they took out a TV ad and they <laughs> poster like, boy. I was a poster boy because I was like this white dude who was hanging out in this town where no one really wants to hang out that much. Like it was on the coast, it was alright, but uh, I was just sort of thinking about like yeah, they really like they they kind of got their their pound of flesh there, and I think their business like actually really boomed. Like the guy bought himself this really? flash new car. <laughs> I think, come right. think of it, I probably paid for that. Yeah. <laughs> the business just like tripled and then I think it like slumped a little bit after that too. Charging but, um, you out at 10.50. So his car got impounded when he was at, yeah, I was, it was heap, there was like eight, 10, 12 students in a class. The numbers kept getting bigger. So like he was yeah. probably, it's kind of like the gym model, I guess, you know, you pay your coach and then yeah. take the rest kind of thing. But his car got impounded in Colombia. Really? <laughs> he drove it to Colombia and like went visiting, and it's like, oh, your papers aren't right. We're keeping your car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like torture. So yeah. It's, um, but yeah, like that's thinking about where I was at that time in my life compared to where you're at in this time in your life. Like, is business stealing your youth? Like, do you wish that's you were what a, I was just about to say. You're a kid again, or like, what are yeah, you? Yeah, and I feel like that because I'm like that sounds to me so appealing because I'm like 
I can't just leave now and I can't just do a six month trip where I can. You know someone who's doing that at the moment? Yeah, yeah Mitchy Pike. Mitchy Pike, who's like, business who, was your, who was your brother that, you know, you guys were all kind of starting at the same time, Benny Thompson. Yeah. And, and yeah, he just okay. sold up and just hit the hit the road and yeah. he, wasn't even going to, he wasn't even going to Africa. Now he's like... He's in Africa, he's in, he's in Kenya. Kenya, yeah. But he was, oh, at, he was going to Borneo, Indonesia and then, and then India. That was the plan. And then all of a sudden he's in Kenya and, and he's just, yeah, he's Loves it too. Pull, pulling up stumps. Yeah, I was chatting with him last night. That's sick. He's a deep, I need to message him. He's a deep thinker. He really is. He gets me thinking all the time. I was sort of, we're going back and forth on philosophy. Because he's uh, done all that stuff with um, like uh, the yeah. Alice. Alice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty interesting, that stuff. 100%. Yeah. It's all in the mind. Like, this mind's such a deep part of it. And you, you're having these conversations right now. Like, people want you to mentor them because they're like, well, I want what he's got. Yeah. So they're sending you a message, you know how do I get what you've got? And they're engaging you with that. When you have those conversations, like, whoa, what is it that you're looking for? Like who, can you tell the ones that are going to do it? And the ones that aren't, are you starting to get a feel for yeah, now can, working yeah. with all these different coaches in your staff and, and now these gyms wanting, you know, support from you. hundred percent. You can tell cause yeah, the ones that want all the support are the ones that, you know, that aren't really going to go anywhere cause they just want to palm their, their problems off and it's just like mm. the same when you get like a we're just saying a shitty PT client that just wants to come in and throw their cash at you and hope that they drop 30 kilos of fat and it's like you've done that before I know you have and it's not going to change this time like I'm going to do my best obviously but I think there's a bit of internal motivation that needs to change you can't the solution isn't to turn them away because you know they're going to be a trouble client really like the solution you sort of you almost got to back them to make a change yeah <clears throat> even if you can tell coming in that they're not necessarily going to be an easy one. Yeah, you're still going to... Because, I mean, you're better off... But so you do turn these people them. around sometimes as well, right? Like, yeah, you do, definitely. Yeah. We Yeah, we did a good one up until last year, like when Tim was with us. So he took on this lady who lost about 20 kilos. Shout out to Tim Butler, Lime, Lime yeah. and Camera, is it? Sublime? I don't know. Yeah, something like One of the chains down there. Yeah, I think he's killing it. He's doing well. Strong dude. Yeah, <laughs> he's smart so strong. Yeah. Yeah. strong. Yeah, strong and smart. Mm. Um... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, the... Trouble clients tr- and turning people around. You were going to tell a story about someone. Yeah, so she, came to she did. And then um, she lost about 20 kilos, came to Bali with us and did the whole thing. And then she's probably not listening right now, but I'm not going <laughs> to say her name anyway. But ended up flipping the switch and just went full back into the old old routine. And like, mm. I think she had a little bit of mental issues, which, I mean, most people do these days, but, you know, self-included. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, enough of that one. But, um... Yeah, like she was on such a good path and then it just sort of flipped real quick. So, I mean, not to say that she can't turn around again, but I think every time you fail a client, you're adding that extra stone on their back to, to make it harder to turn around. They say that people come into gyms like yours, like these sort of community-based gyms that don't really have big branding. You're not one of these, you know, $7 a week or they say people have generally failed in their fitness journey like 15 times or they've moved towards something and they didn't get there like 15 times would, th- would that be yeah you probably yeah I mean our guys like they have a real crack and then they you know fall off and they have a real crack and they fall off they get a PT and then they get a membership and then they try a 45 and they try CrossFit yeah. and they try this and try that we're usually like one of the last <laughs> you're the last yeah. <laughs> does you feel Help bad me. about that or what no I like it yeah. I'll just I'll just flip the switch and make it a badge of honour I'm like yeah people come to us when they want to really get results <laughs> they've already been through in some ways it's good though right like if they've had pain then you know like even you going through that pain of our time and 
such a better position to run your gym well to set up yeah. your next one if someone comes to you and they're in pain with their gym you're not just like well you know i've always had 100 smiles. members yeah. like you know like, <laughs> right, like paddington's smiles. pretty much always been pretty pretty sweet hey or yeah that's that's what i mean and sometimes i feel unless like it's lucky that i have had our time and fail because otherwise i would feel like a bit of a fraud be like you'd almost i don't know how to reverse engineer what we did to make someone else's yeah. gym go the way it did like i don't think some of it you just I wouldn't be confident in being like, yeah, you just got to do this one thing and then it's, your gym's going to turn around. I think people are looking for that. Yeah. You know, it's like, obviously the culture that we built from day one, it's like yeah. the systems that we've built. Yeah. You know, just What like, is the one thing though? What is the one thing that it takes to, to run a gym? Build a, build a seven figure This should be a headline for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one thing. And it'll go viral. Yeah. It'll yeah. be like the biggest, the, the most hits ever. It'll be like, great marketing. It'll be like 65 people listening to this thing. Yeah. Or 12. <laughs> <laughs> we'll double our audience overnight. Yeah, we'll double. Yeah. Um, don't feel like you're wasting your time, man. Someone will listen to this. No, nah, someone. If you're listening to this and you get something out of it, then drop Brando a line just so he doesn't feel like he's wasting his time. He'll probably send me an invoice. Yeah. <laughs> Three fifty now for business coaching. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, listen to a lot of Ben Bergeron and stuff like that because he's obviously got his head switched on. Brando's just tapping on the table for anyone who's listening to the podcast. It's, yeah. just, it's a it's a it's a podcast uh, blow up tip for those running audio podcasts. Just. <laughs> Make all kinds of weird, weird background noises and your audience doubles. Yeah. If you're watching the YouTube, then you kind of know what he's doing. But anyway. um, anyway. <laughs> good chat, Bertrand. Yeah. and um, well, the one I'm listening to now is about culture. Yeah. And he's talking about how he sort of went from one gym to then he's opening up a couple of others now, mm-hmm. which is still the journey I want to take, and that's why I'm taking the backseat of the mentoring and business coaching is because I still want to do. I want mine. I think I can make a bigger impact running more BBBs as opposed to helping other smaller gyms get a few more members. Mm. Like it's not really what I'm going to be passionate about. So I want to open a few more BBBs and, and have a sixth sort of little, well, near me franchise. I think I'll just run them all and have some good managers come mm-hmm. in and, and create like a coach's development program where I know that the standard of my coaches are, are really good. Yeah. And then we can help people that way. BBB. 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 You say it so fast then. You say that so many times. Yeah, BBB. Well, I can't say, Body by Brando is like a long... Yeah. I've got a B&B. Maybe I can join your thing. Bed and breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did too. The farm. Yeah. Well, technically, if the sign's still up on the street, we, we do get some people from... <laughs> do they jump in? Airbnb. Yeah, we get a few We get a few people. Some funny, <laughs> funny stories there, but that's probably for another podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Bertrand, like... Massive on culture, hey? Like, it's like his training system is culture too. Like, have you read the... Is it Chasing... Chasing Excellence, Chasing yeah. Excellence, yeah. I was going to say Chasing Gains, but it's... Chasing, chasing Gains. <laughs> chasing Excellence is a bit less cheesy. Or, I don't know, maybe more cheesy, but... Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's, it's like, yeah, he's... Have you read it? Nah. I'm really good at buying Just books. culture. Yeah, look. On the way down, Impulse Buyers. Yeah, I just Bomb. buy books daily... And just put them on my shelf. Yeah, it gets, makes you smart. Makes you look smarter. Yeah, like, you read the, the blurb, read the front cover, and you sort of get the gist of it. Well, Ty Lopez is probably a billionaire out of that. The mentor box. Well, that the thing that stuff, but he's got like high end mentorships and stuff. Nash uh, Nash Singh did, was doing one of them. One of the guys who did some real movement stuff for a while. Friends with Nathan Gould, trainer out in West Sydney, bodybuilder, natural bodybuilder, massive, huge. Um, yeah, like so, a lot of what he started with Ty Lopez's message was like book a day. And then he, uh, he had the 67 steps, which I listened to about 50 of, um, <laughs> which I think is a pretty big effort. They're like an hour each. Oh, right. And it's like, it's like kind of him 
just spinning the shit on a different topic each time. But he references a lot of people. He's quite an entertaining speaker. And uh, yeah, like that's kind of his thing is like read a book a day, read 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at lunch, 10 minutes in the evening, different topic each time. So like self-development, I don't know what the other one is. And then like fiction in the evening kind of thing. And you always kind of have three books going. But he's also like books aren't necessarily meant to be read cover to cover like if you pick up two or three ideas out of it like it's a win like if you get like you know that people can buy your time for $350 an hour or they can you know get a book for $10 and if they if they get an idea out of that book in 10 minutes like it's you know yeah what's the point I mean it's a big win you know what I mean like that's so basically what he's saying I'm not underselling you but he's like (laughs) spinning a lot of ideas in his head all the time like trying to get the ideas of like the best people of our time and of previous times and he's just constantly putting those ideas in his head and it's like it doesn't have to be about going cover to cover it can be yeah just that you've got all these really cool ideas or philosophies or things that are kind of spinning in your brain um, and and that, that kind of helps you to stay creative and I used to do that at uni and school. I was always like... I'd 10 minutes always, per book? Yeah, 10 minutes per class. That's my theory. I'd stay active. For Were you good minutes. at school? Yeah, I, like, I got pretty good grade. Yeah. But I, like, yeah, I wasn't bad or anything. Yeah. But, um, Did you get kicked out much? I used to sleep all the time at school. Like, every class I'd sleep. And they didn't know what was wrong with me. Is it diet related? No, nah, maybe. Narcolepsy, is it? Narcolepsy. No, nah, I'd be like, I feel I'd be like, this is boring. So I'd just fall asleep and then... But they couldn't say anything because I was getting like yeah. good grades. And he's like, I know you get good grades, but you can't yeah. just fall asleep like that in class because it looks bad to all the other kids <laughs> who aren't getting good grades. <laughs> make me look bad, man. Yeah, you make me look bad. Like, am I boring? I'm like, no, man, I'll just probably stayed up watching TV or something. That's like... And then uni. It's like, probably a typical thing of people who should be entrepreneurs, hey? Yeah. What's, what's your... Uh, show me your, your hand like this. Yeah, other one? Yeah. Born entrepreneur, see, you know that thing? Yeah, you remember, I remember you doing something yeah. about that. Like your, four, your, your fourth digits are way longer than your Fifth. second. Oh, they must. Yeah, when you hold, like if you, oh, yeah. if you hold it right. Especially the right hand's meant to be the key one. And your right one, yeah, like this is a midget and this one's, you know, yeah, right. monster. So that means you're like born to be an entrepreneur. Is that just like a reverse study? So like a... Yeah, they correlate it. So the one, the correlation that was really interesting was that females who have the hand like that are just as likely to be successful in running their business as a male. But most females don't have hands like that because it's to do with testosterone exposure in the womb. Ah. So if a woman gets exposed to more testosterone in the womb, they're more likely to have that hand. And then as a result of that hand, like they're just as likely to succeed as men who have fingers like that. Is it more of a causation study like or or a correlation study? Yeah, I guess they're looking at women who are successful in business, they're looking at their hands and then, you know, just doing the numbers. It was like somewhere, I think it was in South Italy or something. It was an interesting study. Like it's, yeah, it's... That's cool. Yeah, I mean... Same as... What's I, the I, I've one? done it on heaps of people too. And like, and it, people who I think really <coughs> stink at running their own thing who should just go and get, get a job. <laughs> like, like, yeah, bro. Shows your hands. It's written in the wind. <laughs> See you later. Get out of here. Sample size eight. <laughs> yeah. No, well, that's why I did it across the whole real movement community and that as well. Like heaps of people yeah, post their hands. Remember that? That thing was yeah. like one of the most popular posts I ever did in, yeah, the, right. in the membership group. There was like 200 hands in there. It's like when they, what do they do in like AFL? Like if you're 17 and you're not six foot three by now, like it's like, sorry, it's too later. Well, <clears throat> um, I was talking about yesterday, Ruben Ruzica, the speed coach now at the Roosters was saying a massive percentage of the people who've run under 10 seconds can be traced back to a certain spot in Jamaica, which was a certain spot where, you know, slaves have been oh, taken right. from in Africa. And it's like, they're tracing the lineage and 
there's only like three people or something that that aren't from that lineage that have run under 10 like or five or something like that like he, he, yeah, right. he wasn't that clear on the numbers if you know the numbers and the studies like send me the link so I can be accurate with this but um, yeah like so basically like, there's a genetic component to what we do like there's yeah. I'm, I'm a massive believer in environment shaping people and you know putting the right situations around you to get the most out of yourself and, and all that sort of stuff but some of the changes are generational like if you really want to be an entrepreneur but you're not really cut out for it it may take like generations of striving yeah. before before your ancestors are, you know like yeah. they, they might turn into it I'm reading a samurai book at the moment as well and it's all about like your bloodlines and the heritage and doing your ancestors proud and this sort of thing and it's funny that because I almost feel like it like just on my own experience like skipping because my um, my granddad was a good entrepreneur and he sort of sold out of his business when he was it's like a bit of a 50. cheesy word as well please don't don't like everyone's like when you put entrepreneur on your like yeah. social, social oh, media you got, yeah, like, you never call you got like a thousand one. followers yeah. like, <laughs> entrepreneur I met mentor. someone once and he's like hey how you going um, I said oh what do you Pick do Smith, entrepreneur yeah and that's what he did he's like oh I'm Brando like, that's my gym and he's like I was like what's your name he's like entrepreneur. and he goes oh I'm an entrepreneur I was like I don't know if that's like a job title bro <laughs> I was like, you can't just call yourself... Like, I think people yeah. call you an entrepreneur. Isn't that how it works? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the rules yeah. are, but it, def- it seems to me like it's, it's like being thrown around a little bit. <laughs> Steve, if you listen to this... You're a wanker. <laughs> Go get a job. You've got small fingers. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, we got a topic. Um, but yeah, because... And then, obviously, I think... Based on what your parents do, maybe you sort of you can either follow them. I don't know if there's a study in this, but you'd either follow them and sort of go down the same path, or sometimes you want to do the exact opposite because mm. you've seen what they've been through, mm. and you try and like reverse it. And that's what sort of like some things that my parents do that I'm like, nah, I don't want to see that happen. Mm. And other things I'm like, I, I really like those qualities, and I follow those qualities. So yeah, you sort yeah. of depending on who you are, I think you pick and choose what qualities you want out of that mm. that bloodline. What other qualities you want? Oh, but like my parents are super caring and, and stuff. I wish I was more like them and that. Like I don't really care about too much. Like I'm super, just, I'd want sort of success. I don't even know how to measure that, but it's like the other side of me probably doesn't care as much as I should about some things. Like about, you know, people always talk about having balance between like family life and wanting to hang around people. I'm just always super switched on and I don't switch off and just enjoy the present and, and people enough I don't think so mm. that's something I definitely wish I could get from from them because they're super like that yeah 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 but it's probably because the other side like they're not as driven so maybe that's why I've gone super the opposite way and mm. and want to go like just measure everything with success what was your grandparents success that you your grandfather the so grand, entrepreneur yeah gramps we call him he was um he was in the textile business so he had a company called it has tech like Hasi Technologies. The real tech, hey? Yeah, the real tech. Just living in his shadow. Yeah, um, he was like, yeah, textures and, and trading between here and China and stuff like that. So so he got yeah, right. quite successful with that. And he's just cruising now, plays golf. and Would have been interesting trading with China in those times. Yeah. Did he go over there and stuff? Or? Well, he was actually born in China, which is kind of weird. He had a Russian dad and then was born in China and then ended up staying there for a bit, then moved to England. He's like white as, but mm. yeah, he was just born there, so he's Chinese effectively. Yep. So I'll put that in my passport now. <laughs> I'm Chinese too. Can you get a Chinese passport? I don't know. Yeah. Probably not. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that'd be the most coveted one. Nah. North Korea. Jim Rohn makes jokes about it like 
people aren't lining up to get you know to put, put, put shit on any country that you yeah. name right now but like you know <laughs> Gambian passports are not are not in demand you know like <laughs> people are not trying to get a you know a, a passport to Burma or nah. Bangladesh or you know people want Australian passports people want American passports people yeah. want European citizenship and I think that's something that a lot of people in these countries take for granted that there is so much opportunity and, and the minimum standard in terms of wages and stuff like that speaking with Jake Frenius yesterday about the coffee shops and stuff that he runs like I'm only paying people 25 bucks an hour and I'm like bro like if you're making over 40 grand a year like you're in the richest one percent of people on earth and people are earning 25 bucks an hour pulling coffees like they they you know if they really knew the context of the world at the moment like yeah it's actually it's actually big money if you're pulling coffee like for pulling coffees and if you can just live with some discipline like i know it's difficult in the eastern suburbs and it's difficult in the culture we're in where we just spend spend spend, spend yeah. but like in reality like you have infinite wealth almost at that point like compared to our ancestors who had to live so simply because of just you know like yeah. the, the circumstance stuff like so much opportunity for anyone right now who can get their stuff together, like whether it is working for other people and like li- living simply or whether you do want to run your own thing, like such a time of opportunity, I think like it's, it's crazy to be, you know, all the mental health and depression and, you know, like that stuff in this time and obesity as well. Like it's like you're throwing away this golden ticket, like yeah, such opp- so much opportunity at this time and so much chance, to, you know, to be healthy and to be strong and to be like live an epic life and then you're just not getting shaped by the right influences you're being told that you know like you're small and you, you know you can't you know you can't be much or whatever and like you're kind of inferring that from the status of social media or the status things that yeah. you know the grades you got at school or whatever and you just like fall into like ruts and it's just yeah it's like such a time of opportunity i think like yeah and that's the thing like why well, was it the barefoot investor was saying like if you're debt free in Australia right now you're in like the top five percent and it's like that's a pretty shitty place to be the fact that people don't have savings let alone that like they're in debt and it's like you said the money's quite good it's everything else that comes with it like yeah being disciplined with saving definitely something that's helped like mm. that's probably one thing that I've done quite well is save money mm. and when then, did you start that really young I was always like yeah. I just used I to like, buy lollies, yeah, and I'd like save money, and then I'd go and buy my brother and sister lollies, and like that was my fun thing to do was like have money and be able to buy people Splash shit, out, yeah. yeah, and like I never buy it on myself, like I still don't spend much money on, yeah, on me besides traveling. Uh, like I bought clothes the other day for like three hundred bucks, and that was the first time I've done that since like for a year, yeah. and then, but yeah, and then it helps when opportunities come up because then you can actually use that money to to invest. Like when I bought the gym was like sixty grand which back then was like a lot of money for me because it was my whole savings. Yeah. But I didn't go and buy a car. I went and bought a gym and now that gym can yeah. buy other things. So. You could have bought a flash car. Like you could have, you could have, yeah. you could have bought a mortgage. Like, yeah, yeah, buy a mortgage. But you invested <laughs> in something else. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Did you like, uh, make your money as a kid? Like, did you go car washing or oh, like, yeah. did you, yeah, yeah. Like do the lawns and stuff or flat out. Yeah. yeah. Had Brando's lawn mowing. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. Like, I think there's some programming in people. Like when I look back, like I was really, really happy um, with going out, washing cars and like sometimes we'd make like 150 bucks or something. Yeah. Like we'd split it between two people and you'd come home with a hundred bucks or something, Sick. you know, 
because you'd wash like 30, 20, 30 cars and people would be scared like, oh, they're going to rock the roof if they, you know, they're going to... Yeah, <laughs> so, so yeah, so he's going to fuck it with us. Well, we were like, we were like young. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like that. But I remember just loving it, you know. I think it was just in the bones, like, from, from an early time. Yeah, same. And then getting a job, like, I did that, lawn mowing, washing cars. Tried to get a job at like 13, I think, because I just wanted to buy a new skateboard. <laughs> and then from there, Maccas wouldn't take you till 14, nine months. I think I rang them like when I was 14 and six months and said, make sure you got a job for me when I'm 14 and nine yeah, months. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, straight in. I think I worked there till I was like 20. Friday mm. night, Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was that Maccas when I met you? No, I don't think so. I think you were out there, 45 Jural. I think that was oh, you didn't tell been. me. Yeah. Were you still at Maccas then? You probably wouldn't have told me. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. Shut the door. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, I would have left by then. I think yeah. when I finished uni, I, was, I would have yeah. Before I went to England to study, I would have finished up. What did you learn from Maccas? I think just like routine and actually having a boss. Like cause ever since then, I haven't actually really had a boss. Yeah, which is makes it hard for me to manage people because um, it's not working. That thing. That's not working. No. Um, yeah, like I, I suppose, like I had the boss at Macca's and you sort of had to rock up on time, wear uniform and stuff like that. So that's sort of been good. How to mop a floor has been really helpful because people still don't know how to mop floors and it's really annoying when you try and run a gym and you have to show them how to mop a floor when they're like 30 years old and you feel like a bit of a wanker trying to show them how to mop a floor. <laughs> but it's that, fucking like this. It's probably actually, you know, now that you are this business you know owner and you've been there for a while and people are probably somewhat intimidated by you now when they come in as you know like even though you're a muck around kind of guy like you still run a serious show like the fact that you are able to mop floors and you want to you know you want that stuff done well like probably gets a message across to them as well like that yeah yeah you're not putting yourself above everything and you know what i mean like you're still in the in the trench as well i think that's probably the biggest thing i've done wrong so far is that is like i do come across as like a muck around guy Mm. and quite laid back and then when I go to put the business hat on it's sort of like they weren't expecting it and it creates like this incongruency of what I actually want in my head versus what I'm portraying um, so now when I'm hiring I actually do the opposite and I'm like I make it out like a lot more serious of a role yeah. so then it's like they're not shocked when I do tell them to mop the floor or clean the bathrooms because yeah, it needs yeah. to be done and you know I'm not five years into a business to go in there and mop my own bathrooms like I still will mm. but it's like I don't want to be doing it day to day and if they don't do it then I have to do it so yeah so I've got a new guy coming in July and I was sort of like, like sending him stuff already being like this is what the expectations are and yeah so when he gets there he's not like fuck where are the ping pong tables bro <laughs> because then you just yeah that's what's been the biggest struggle so far yeah and you're playing from a more of a position of strength and experience where you're not begging people to come in and work for you like you're like yeah. this is a good opportunity for you you know tell them what you expect like is it are you, are you feeling that transition yep yeah for sure still a little bit of yeah because I've got some coaches that have been there for a while and I'm only just learning this it yeah. is still trying to it's hard to turn the ship around because they're same thing they're they're used to what they're used to and then you're like alright I'm, I'm going to get serious now and we're going to start having systems and they're like nah bro let's just this is cruise. You got no, <laughs> and then like they just cranky it for the rest of the day because you made him do shit. Yeah. So, and I'm always like next coach, but you can't just keep thinking next coach because then it's like six months and you can't just quit. Like make someone quit. That's what sort of happened with um, 
like Tim and Dan and that. Like they were really good coaches, but it was sort of like I was at the stage where I wanted to go bigger and I wanted to start opening second gyms, but then they were just happy just in the, you know, just wanting to coach and do that. And I was like, I wanted them to take on extra roles, but there was a, yeah, incongruency of what was expected and stuff like that. So they couldn't really, and then it was just like, we just not fell out. Like me and Dan still talk, don't really speak to Tim too often, but I don't think it was too bad. Yeah. It's never that easy if you, you know, if you work together for a period of time and then things don't go the way you both wish that they would, like, but you can't, you can't never have relationships for the fear that, you know, that yeah. they're not all going to always be perfect or always, you know, sustain themselves long term. And like, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think that, yeah, makes sense that that's kind of part of the, one of the most challenging parts of of your gym and what you're sort of talking about with your with your parents being really caring people and just being all you know people people kind of thing like as we're chatting just before the podcast like the trillion dollar uh was it trillion dollar coach it's uh that's kind of the the thing with a trillion dollar coach is like it's all about the people and connections and yeah you get to the performance stuff but you have to have that found that human foundation yeah and I, I like I would say that's probably been my biggest challenge as well, like where you're thinking it's about success and as long as you can pay them enough and, you know, then it's okay. But the, that human side of the connection and, and sort of mentoring and maintaining that dynamic and them having that dynamic with your members, like it's probably the biggest thing, is it? Yeah, so the the biggest yeah struggle we're having is that um, trying to get... Yeah, trying to mentor the coaches and actually be, you know, help them develop along their journey is instead of just throwing money at them or throwing opportunities at them. Like, you've, yeah, that's the biggest thing we've struggled with. I have that massive tendency to think if I'm paying them, they're going to work. And also that, and then the expectations we have because yeah. of ourselves, I think, like, I'm happy to sit there from 6 a.m. to, you know, to closes doing work, but obviously it's not their business as well. So everyone always tells you no one's going to run the business like, like you want to run your business and I think you still come to terms with that every day when things don't go the way you want them to yeah yeah getting that like you want that buy-in and you want people to feel like they own the place but then obviously they don't own the place so there is always going to be some degree of a barrier yeah you know with that but then you don't yeah you you want them to feel like they're a key you know key part of the, the business but there's people out there that will go. Like when we had, we had a guy working with me and he sort of came through as a client and then he was just super into training and coaching and like, and then yeah. wanted to run his own gym. He had to go back to America for visa reasons. We still talk and he's like, once open his gym, but he would have been, like he was well into it and just yeah. bought into the brand and had that, you know, that yeah. culture fit. And I think it's trying to find that as well as trying to find a good coach or someone good at their job is the hardest part. Yeah. So for coaches listening, because that's, I guess, primarily who we speak to, you know, especially like if you're young coaches or people who see themselves, you know, going into their own facility, like what are the key things that you're looking for, like that you're cultivating in yourself or that you, you know, that you love seeing in people that you talk to? Yeah. Um, I reckon definitely like putting yourself in a manager's position, like just doing things that a man, you'd want a manager to do. So if you're running your own business, look back and be like, what are the things that I would want done? Or if you don't know, ask. I think the best opportunity you could have, because I had a pretty good boss when I was at F45, Greg, and I still talk to Greg all the time. And 
and there was no resentment when I left him to open my own because he sort of helped me open it. Like he could see that I was wanted to do my own thing and it wasn't like I was trying to side hustle and not tell him and then like, see ya brah, like I just left. It was, I was pretty transparent with what I wanted to do and he knew that he wasn't going to be able to fulfill it and it sort of ended up going pear-shaped for him and his business partner anyway. So um, I reckon if you, if you want to do run your own facility, like be a manager first because mm. the boss can help you. If, it, if you've got a good boss, like, they might buy into the second one with you and help you set it up. Like, find out what you want. Like, I've had coaches before. I'm like, oh, do you want to open a second BBB or do you want to open your own one? And unless you can answer that, like, you might as well just keep being a really good coach and being a really good manager because until you're definite that you want to have your own brand, mm. like, why throw a spanner in the works and, and try and, yeah, start doing shit? And is it easy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's super cruisy. You just wake up at 10 o'clock every day. Yeah. No, nah, it's definitely not, Mark. It's like when you get it right, it, you can make it better. Like it's definitely a good lifestyle now, but it doesn't mean I'm not working. It just means I'm not working on coaching as much right now. Like it's a lot more business development stuff. Yeah. It's the evolution of the role. You're going to start as, you're probably going to start as the head coach and the key coach and the person, like everything. Yeah. And then you're going to transition. If you if you continue to grow, you're going to transition to more of a manager if you want to be a coach and you don't want to be a manager, it's probably, you know, a big decision to make to be head coach and think you're going to be on the floor for the next five, 10 years running most of the classes. Like, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, it doesn't make sense when people say, oh, I just, you know, really want to coach. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. How long are you going to coach for? Cause like, what if that business doesn't last and what it, and like, you know, I'd be upskilling myself as much as possible, trying to learn the latest marketing tactics because you can be the best coach in the world but if you don't have a client then you're not really a coach are you? you're just someone yeah. with a, a bunch of knowledge yeah so whilst you do you know you've got to be a really good coach as well i think you've got to split your time and be good with people be good at marketing and be good at coaching because end of the day you've only got to know one percent more than the clients to be able to be their coach yeah no that's like you, you've been going through that now with dipping your toe in the water of business coaching i think Almost every successful business owner, I was speaking to a guy who owns a couple of F45s yesterday and he's like, yeah, people are always hitting me up for advice on social media and how to run a gym. And I think once you start getting those messages, you think, well, yeah, there's a business here as a business mentor and I'm going to, you know, like this is the next step for me. I would say like more than one in two people who have a gym that stays open that is somewhat profitable, sometimes not even profitable. Sometimes I know their gyms are really bad and they still want to be business coaches but like in that journey now when people are, you know, you've started to coach people, you sort of touched on some of the things there. Like you need to know your marketing and how to attract people. But then you also, you know, the results side of things, like what what's what are you seeing now? What's your focus? Like you see you've got three pillars there. Like Yeah, so talking in terms of coaching, like you've got to have the yeah, the coaching aspect of it then you've got to have the manager aspect of it like which is pretty much being an awesome coach and then starting to know the system management side of things and then the entrepreneur side where you can market you can sell you can do all those sorts of things so yeah um yeah like you said i'm taking a step back from you know the mental role because it sort of just happened that way like you said people message you and you're like oh sweet next progression is i've run a gym and not a bad one so i hope someone else run not a bad gym either but it's yeah quickly fizzled out and it's not what I want to do yeah I think that's the biggest realisation a lot of people have not that they couldn't do it but just that it's going to be a lot of work and then you end up basically running their gym for 
a fraction of, you know, like you don't get, you're not going to get the profits if you win, but you, you know, you, you're almost taking on the responsibility of their gym being a success. And like, you know, Drew Slater as a friend of mine, he started a real movement project with me. He grew alchemy to a, to a big level, you know, Ryan from winning international, good friend of mine as well, business coach. He's just massively downsized and like Drew's done the same. Like they both run really successful businesses with heaps of clients yeah. and they've realized like, yeah, no, nah, this is like this is not necessarily an awesome way to live and taking on all this responsibility for all these people and like this needs to be done in a bit of a bit of a different way. Like what do you think what sh- what should coaches be doing who know that they need help? Like what's the path? You know, like you're saying it's not necessarily getting you as a mentor. Like what would you recommend? Cuz you've been going through this, right? Like and you've yeah. been you've been getting, you know, business coaching, you've been, you know, you've done some real you know, real movement stuff back in the day. Like what are the, what are the things that if you had to start again now, like what would you do or? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty good one. Hey, cause I think the real movement when, when I first started, like I didn't know hardly anything. I just started, you know, I was working at a division. Then I went to F45 and I thought that was what the epitome of training was, was working at an F45. Cause I was like, like it sort of, it inspired me. It wasn't like a general gym. So it was quite cool. How long were you at vision? Literally like eight weeks. How, just, did you feel like F45 was? step forward from vision or i did at the time because it was like it was the, i worked at like the fifth one yeah, ever, yeah cool. so it was wow. quite early on wow yeah and they've I done all right and i was seeing the um the i saw the the promo video which was like marketing back then was not oh, like the, it is now. the fifth f45 yeah yeah right so it was quite i was thinking you're saying the fifth vision oh no nah. yeah. they're doing no uh, i think they're, it was like the they're doing okay as well but yeah, yeah they're doing the, well F45 is obviously... The fifth F45 with a mate of mine because wow. he was working where I am now as a PT in the shitty gym that was there and F45 moved in upstairs and he sort of got to know the owners and the CEOs and then bought a franchise out at Dural. So we had no connection at all and then we finally met and I saw the promo video of like F45, come work for F45. I was like, sick, this looks really good. Like, it's not a standard gym. It's not vision. It was too boring for me. Um, so that was the next progression. I enjoyed it and then came across you and I was into the handstands and stuff and mobility at the time mm. and I think that's why we connected and then then it was just sort of changed my my view on strength training. You probably were at that stage you wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach, right? As well. Yeah. Like and I was I was at the Roosters. Yeah. And you you know, you've had you had a bit of footy interest yeah. background. So it's probably that side of things as well. Like I'd gone through exercise science, you just graduated and you're probably thinking about that path as That's well, the right? Path you think, yeah, straight yeah. away, you're like, oh, work with athletes, work with performance, and and that's a step. And then, yes, and always, that's a huge thing to touch on as well, man. Because so many people are going through exercise science, thinking, yep, I'm going to be Pat Lane, you know, yeah. I'm going to be head of an NRL program. The two polar opposites. This is hey? this is the dream. Like, yeah, and you've gone in a completely different direction. Like, when did you realize that? Do you still want to go the other path? Like, what's? No, nah, I've no real passion for that. Uh, yeah um when i realized that i think just just by realizing that the market wasn't there for for performance coaching for for people like i don't know why i didn't go down that path i think i did some stuff with lee hopkins i don't know if you yeah 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 lee's lee's been in real movement as well and he was at london when i was just getting started in strength and conditioning so he was one of the first like i coached him and ran that was when i first sort of ran strength programs or yeah yeah right so I had to do some of my hours and I ended up, I knew him through the- Penrith, yeah. Chad got started sort of through Lee as well. Oh, right. And David Boyle out at Penrith, yeah. Chad's now at Roosters, but- Yeah. Mm. So I did the SG Ball sort of train on squad for the 20 hours that I had to do, but 
at the time I just sort of just wanted to make some money and what didn't seem like was the right path for me at the time so I just started coaching and natural progression just led us to where it is now but how did you find it that that 20 hours like it was just sort of just being around footy like there wasn't really I wasn't doing anything yeah. with my degree it wasn't seemed like I wasn't going to do anything mm. with it you weren't really that inspired by the no I didn't sort of scream out like oh yeah I want to be a, a head coach or and mm. I probably didn't know what I was doing back then was that when you sort of realised yeah that's not that's not my path because I'm not even sure if I end up realising I think I just end up doing what I was doing and it's just evolved sort of, it just evolved yeah I don't know if there was like a time where I was like I don't want to be a performance coach for a team it was just that I just started coaching people and then it was when I left F didn't leave F45 I through the real movement when I was there with like Benny and, and Mitch and that then we sort of all just sort of started thinking like we're working for someone else and we've got so much more that we can offer like Benny has his degree and I wasn't using any of the stuff that I learned because I was just coaching off a screen yeah. and showing people like how to do a burpee and a deadlift at the same time with a battle rope in the other hand and coffee cup Anyway, won't talk about that. <laughs> um, and that there was, you know, that there was more to strength and conditioning than than that sort of shit. So then I met what's his name um, down in Hobart, Dan. Yeah, Dan, and Dan like, Lowry. Dan Lowry, he was a good dude. So he just sort still of is, still is as far as I can tell. Yeah, seems yeah. like he's doing all right. <laughs> yeah. No, I chat with him from time to time. He's doing well down there in Hobart. Yeah. yeah. Shout out Dan Lowry. Yeah, good dude. I ended up catching up with him a while back, but um, yeah. he he sort of got me like back onto the Facebook advertising and a bit more marketing and a bit more yeah. business savvy. So without that, you know, sort of went through you and got a lot more of the knowledge and how to apply it actually in strength and conditioning. Mm. Started doing CrossFit at the same time. So those two things went hand in hand. Mm. And then that little push from a, someone that knew how to do a bit of marketing and a bit of sales and yeah. then gave me the push I needed to start training out of the backyard. Yeah. What was it like training people at your front doorstep? You know, yesterday when I walked out to go to my gym I was like fuck it's 5.30 in the morning because I took the morning class yesterday and I was like I remember waking up and like it'd be freezing and raining and I'd like the people would message me be like are we still on today I'm like yeah fucking earth we're still on because I didn't want to lose the money because <laughs> I was like needed it yeah I was like yeah every, athletes train in the rain everyone trains in the rain so they'd rock up and their hands are freezing they couldn't even grab the bars I'm like oh god <laughs> how long were you there for like on your front porch kind of thing been like six to eight months, I reckon. It was a I while, think, yeah. Because we, you were doing pretty well there, hey. It was really good. Like, yeah, it was actually profitable really good. because you weren't profitable. paying rent. No overheads. I was paying twenty five bucks to my landlord because he said, yeah, I can use the patio because it wasn't actually in our rent. So I had to pay him like twenty five bucks. For that <laughs> That's hilarious. So your landlord wanted like he just wanted a little cut out. I cut. I don't think he knew how much money I was making. I was making like two and a half grand a week. I think at my max. <laughs> Surely he doesn't have like he can't be leasing a place as a gym. <laughs> no, nah, like I that's think, that's not in his. I think it was a uh, full side hustle too. Like I just gave him cash as well. Yeah, it's pretty funny. A hundred a month, boom. Yeah, done. I wish I was like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've kind of always managed to have almost rent free gyms in the way you've set things up, right? Like that's yeah. You've been smart and you know somewhat fortunate, but th- like yeah, well. You know, so you had that six to eight months. I believe it was uh, the neighbours that initiated the next step. I think so, yeah. The neighbours ended up blowing up and they weren't happy about me having four or five dudes in the backyard deadlifting at 5.30 in the morning. And then so the natural... Eastern suburbs. Yeah, <laughs> literally like houses are everywhere. And then it rained for like t- probably three or four weeks straight. And didn't I'm pay like, $2 sucks. million dollars to have someone doing this next 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, they didn't like it. Um... 
I tried to do the rain days down at um, what's his name's gym? Trent Knox was it? Didn't he have a gym down at Clavelli? Trent Langlands. Langlands, yeah. yeah. He's still going well. Yeah, yeah. and um, and then a just natural progression. The guy that I was working with at F45, he was still at Paddington. He knew that his boss, or well, not boss, but the guy that ran the gym, wanted out. So he's like, "Look, come down here." No, sorry, skip the step. We he had a shed that he mm. wasn't using. It was about thirty square meters. And I was like, can I come down and can I use your shed for um, until I get back on my feet sort of thing? And he's like, yeah, 300 bucks a week. And then I started running my classes out of there. And then we got up to like 30 members. I was running out of there like inside, outside. And then and then that's when he wanted out. He wanted out of the, the whole gym. So I ended up taking the whole gym off his hands for a bit of a hefty fee. And then it worked out all right. Yeah. And that was just your startup, like putting everything you had kind of thing into it. Yeah. How old were you then? 21, 22? Yeah. Maybe, yeah, 22, I reckon. Yeah. It's good fun. At the time, I was just like, yeah, this is, has to happen. Scared to scared to go into it. But it was sort of good because there's no, I didn't have to go through real estates and all that sort of stuff. I did try that already and that was quite daunting. What did the other guys say? Yeah, yeah. Avoiding real estate must be one of the greatest blessings, you know, like so much hassle with those those people and DAs and councils by the time you do all that stuff and pay your bond like you're already 40 40k in like when we do that time and you don't actually have anything you've got nothing to show all you've done is paid your bond and paid you know the first few months of lease yeah um but yeah I was sort of lucky with that because I walked in there you know I paid the 60 grand but there was already equipment there and enough and I had a bit of my own equipment and a bit of his that I because I bought the the rights to the gym as it was so all the members that were still there and the equipment which was sort of pretty good way to do it Mm. um rather than walking in having to remat the floor and all that sort of stuff everything yeah all the painting and fit out stuff is just fit out a lot of energy as well as yeah yeah money yeah yeah so what what, do you remember what the other boys were thinking at that time because i know you guys are all pretty close edgel benny brayden yeah. Like, yeah were, they, were they like just go for it or were they like did, were you guys chatting quite a bit at that stage or do you remember how they I were think thinking so. about it yeah um, we were all sort of having these mastermind calls like we were doing we would all catch up maybe once a week like on the outside and see what we are all doing and yeah just chat shit and then it was sort of all snowball didn't it like mm. yeah well yeah you guys kind of started the trend like, I think Mitch was the first one as far as I remember and then like now there's like there's at least 70 on my list but I think there's more like 100 and I just haven't tracked it but people who came in didn't have a gym and now have, gym. now have gyms yeah. there you go so if they'd have been branded it'd be a global brand by now but yeah it's um that's kind of a bit of my frustration with what I did that I didn't make a deal that there was some ongoing kind of value to real movement brand but also value to like future members and that sort of thing because I think everyone has the same struggles right and it's just it's a bit of a shame that you have so much in common, the same struggles and, you know, people getting walk-ups, rocking, you know, people walk into CrossFits and F45s because they're like, yeah, I just want to do this brand, you know what I mean? And and generally the facilities I work with don't, you know, you don't get that unless you've got sort of frontage, then you just don't get those kind of easy ones kind of thing. Like I'd say, my guess would be like at a CrossFit, like half the people would be there because I want to do CrossFit and you're the local one kind of thing. Yeah. You know, where I'd don't mean to be insulting but there's probably not many people who are like oh I'm looking for my local body by Brando like and you happen to be the, the yeah. local one you know what I mean like it's not a global brand or a yeah, exactly. nas- nationally known brand like um, 
Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, most people come through socials or, or referrals. Like, I yeah, don't, that's what. And it's such like how many gyms are there now in your neighbourhood compared to when you started? Like, have you seen? Has it blown up there or not so much? There's a fair few in Paddington. There's heaps. Like, there'd be twenty five plus. So, yeah. but there's a lot of dense people too. So yeah, exactly. Massive population, big market. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about competition? Because like that's obviously something that comes into every business owner's mind. Like. What's what else is out there? What am I doing versus them? Like, nah, it's pretty lonely at the top, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, it actually we we're talking about before. Like, it's not. Yeah, of course, it's competition, and I think our approach has always just been, you know, we'll just keep offering our good service, and and we'll be the last resort because people just they go into these anytime fitness is fitness first and never get any help, so they give up for a bit, and they go, oh, I'll go to F forty five or another sort of group training. And they don't get any help there. Like it's fun and it's exciting, and they feel like they're working out because they're sweating. But it's like they're not actually getting the results. They're measuring sweat, not success. Mm. And then you know they just hear along, I suppose, the grapevine or from social media that um, that people are getting results at our gym, and then they'll come and they'll finally want to get results. So it's yeah. sort of an easy process. So you're saying fatigue isn't a good marker of success progress in the gym yeah just the more you walk out if you can wring your shirt when you walk out of the gym you're doing well yeah so what what are good markers we use um like body composition markers so we'll track everyone's body composition in terms of photos and body fat percentage yeah um and then performance markers just probably like the primary or close you know that'd be the dominant reason people come Still? I think so, yeah, Point whether or not position. they admit it. Like, most people sort of be like, oh, I've got a bit of vanity like, results that I want to achieve. Do you yeah. care about your rig? Yeah, of course. Yeah. You, I mean, more so just because if I didn't have a good rig, I probably wouldn't have a gym. <laughs> that's, an, yeah, that's probably a key take-home if someone's going to take something out of this podcast and they're looking down at a, at a, at a flabby belly. Yeah. So like, we'll start, start with that and then think about the business coaching. Yeah, I think you've got a... I came up with a, a term the other day. It was like Archie... And it's sort of, you've got to, I can't even remember all the names because I literally just came up with it, but it's like, you've got to educate and inspire and actually like attract people that want to come to you for you. Like, I think the reason why we started getting members in the first place was because I was doing cool shit and didn't have a bad, bad lid under there at the time. It's not <laughs> as good anymore, but like, I think, you know, that's the first place to start is you, if you want to attract people, you've got to be the brand. Yeah. People know you, like in real movement, people will associate with you with really good weightlifting technique. Awesome mobility, handstands, that good rig and, and good business. Like, like people often be like, yeah, yeah I know, Brian. Like I've been following him for five years or whatever. Like a lot of the people I speak to have been following Real Movement for multiple years, and they like they feel like they know either you or Mitch or Ben or like sometimes the next generation of guys like Tim and um, Tim Frey over in Perth or Jordan yeah. and Exalto or whatever. Like, and generally they've been like watching, watching, watching. They think, oh, geez, these guys are doing it. Like, yeah, I need, you know, I need to get a part of it. So they either contact you or they contact me, you know, or they just sit in the background and hope things are going to get better for them. But for a little while, um, yeah, I think like, yeah, so many coaches out there that would like to be able to uh, have the business that you have. I, I feel as though that's a great piece of advice. Like, be able to do the things that you can do. Like. Um, it's pretty hard to stand out if you just, you know, like you might be really good at the science and programming like we're just talking about, but there's a lot more to it than just programming because the, the CrossFit gym down the road is going to be doing the program as well and they're, they're going to have the branding and the marketing, whereas you're just, yeah, like you said, if, if you're just the body of brando in the, the town, no one's really it's going all to on search. You. Yeah, yeah, no one's going to search for you. Like, 
yeah. be super inspired to go there unless you are doing super inspiring things yeah. like getting client results or if you don't have the clients to start with, like get results with yourself because that's what inspires people. Yeah. Sports yeah. science, exercise science. Yeah. I know you, you like you you value that you've done that side of things and you like you put that out there and present around that. How much impact do you feel like that's made on Body by Brando? Oh, yeah, and that's yeah, it's a hard one to answer because I always think, um, like I like that I've done it, yeah. and it's hard to answer. Like people are like, oh, should I go do my sports science degree? It's like probably not because it's a three year, three year degree and like sixty grand or whatever to do it. Plus all the lost wages and time, right? Like yeah, you're, you're not, not working, working while you while you do it. Um, so I definitely like the fact that I've done it, and maybe it has shaped the coach that I've become because I can sort of help out with the in depth anatomy and physiology and like knowing how to do things so maybe it has helped along the way yeah it's hard to discredit it but it's like there's some really good coaches out there that haven't done it and have learned that stuff anyway yeah but just knowing when i go into meetings with my guys i'm trying to help them get to the same level because you know i feel like i've built my brand on people coming to me when they want that extra step and extra form and extra technique but i don't even know if i got that through sports mm. science like they didn't teach you that at sports yeah. science but when i think i can understand it a lot more in depth because i know the anatomy and the biomechanics yeah so i don't know whether that plays a big role in it like yeah. if you know how the muscles look move and, and should act it's pretty easy to then move well yourself mm. yeah yeah it's like another layer of understanding of the body and i think like guys like vince gironda and charles poliquin like they were huge on functional anatomy the trick is that functional anatomy is you know you one or two subjects like you got anatomy and then your functional anatomy if you don't have the discipline to learn that stuff on your own like maybe you need to pay someone 60 grand to bang it into your head but that's like probably it you know it's a it's a big it's a big sacrifice i think like in the modern time especially guys who are thinking about like i get a lot of people who are in their late 20s or 30s and they've got kids and families and they're thinking i'm going to go back and study exercise science because i want to own a gym then i'm like yeah like do the gym first and then if you want to pick that up later like pick it up but probably you know like play play from a winning position like when you've got life on your own terms your business is good it's not going to make you as a business owner it's too much you know too much time too much risk like you're actually putting off the work that you really need to do yeah to try and get a piece of paper to tell you that you're an authority when in fact that piece of paper doesn't tell you you're any authority because anyone can go and get that piece of paper if they're willing to put in the time and money like it's not necessarily it's definitely a band-aid and I, if problem. someone comes to you and says I'm a graduate or I've done my masters like does that mean like oh bang I'm going to hire this person like no often yeah. it's the other way right like you're a little bit wary of like does this person even you know do you lift bro like you know is it yeah you're, you're more worried on that I'm more worried on that side like 100%. sometimes you know yeah for building a gym building a culture like it's more about the person and you can learn the skills if you're willing to learn mm. and then going out there and trying to get the piece of paper to validate yourself and then then you're going to start getting the clients is like, nah, it's the wrong way around. Like just yeah. be a good people person, know more than what they do, study as much as you can. But like you said, the, the three year degree, the biggest thing I got out of it was an anatomy, functional anatomy and biomechanics. Yeah. You had to sift through a lot of bullshit to get that. You know, we did VO2 max testing and stuff. And like, whilst that's good to know, I'll never use that in my whole life because yeah. we've got a salt box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get it on a salt box and do a 10 minute test. You it's do it again, you're either fit or not. Like yeah. there's not, you don't need science to tell you that. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really matter. You can do breathing exercise. You can do things to improve the lungs. 
quantifying that in that way is not necessarily going to make any difference to the results that you're getting. And I don't, you know, as far as I know, like I never used a VO2 max working in elite sport, you know. Yeah. Was, you know, it people would matter. extrapolate a beep test to, oh, that means your VO2 max is this or whatever. But it's like, cool. all you did is really run a beep test. Like sometimes people hide behind science and data when it's like, just look at, let's look at results rather than, you know, people putting these Instagram posts up with like all this science and stuff. And the, but the video is like, no, actually there's no force production here. This, this is horse shit. Like this yeah. is, you know, you like, you're talking a bunch of fancy stuff, but ultimately you're recycling something off, you know, Eric Cressy or someone who's like, yeah. you're recycling a thing, but you're doing it wrong and you're trying to sound smart, but it actually looks really dumb and you should probably just go do some squats and bench. Yeah. You know, until you, yeah. Like, until you actually, like it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a frustrating time, but I mean, at the, I guess that's the opportunity in the market is, you know, you present yourself as you wish to and then the consumer, you know, has to make their assessment. But I kind of, um, we kind of moved away. So body composition, you're measuring that photos, uh, body fat percentages, and then you sort of start to talk like performance. What are you, what are you measuring? What do you love to see in your, in your team there? So we, yes, performance markers, we, we're pretty strength biased now in the sense that we program our strength block first and everything sort of follows that. Like we, we, I used to like the Metcons and thought that was a cool part of, you know, CrossFit and stuff like that. We're not CrossFit branded, but we are, I do like that style of, of training. Um, but we're very much on the, the strength side now where we'll do our squats and we pretty much superset everything. So we'll squat and push up that day. Then Tuesday we might deadlift and do pull-ups. Like we'll sort of base it around that for the 20 minute block. And then the Metcon will just supplement that so we're always testing like every 12 week block we'll test either 3rm 5rm 1rms and and help people see that they are getting better that way along with the fact that they can just tell they're getting better with like the gymnastics and their toes to bar and and all those other sort of yeah performance markers the more wins you can give them concrete wins the more they're likely to be addicted to the journey yeah long term and the just- body composition's falling into line because they're able to recruit more motor units. You know, they're stronger. They've got more muscle mass. Yeah, it's easier to get the diet right and get the you know that stuff right if you're actually training and building muscle and you have that body repairing post exercise oxygen consumption. Like exactly, and we we do challenges each year. Like I never used to like that sort of stuff. We're doing like a six week challenge because everyone else was sort of basing their business off six week challenges. Yeah. So I was like, oh, steer well clear of that. And it's not about body composition for us. But at the end of the day people do want to look better and they want to have like low body fat and increased muscle mass and if they don't they're either lying which is usually the case and if they say they want performance goals well we know that being in that 12 to 15 percent range or lower is going to be the best place for performance so either way you've got to lose body fat so yeah every performance has an optimal body composition if you're a sumo you don't need to be lean you got you got to be fat, but you got to have a lot of muscle. Like every for every performance, there's an optimal body composition. You can sit a little bit either side of that, but once you go too far, you can't perform. You know, so yeah. In terms of like a gym owner or you know generally gym members, like the optimal body composition is yeah getting close to those single digits. Like those are the people who are going to be they're going yeah. to be killing it. Like no matter what, you know, they're, they're the people that are going to have that nice blend between you know, strength and endurance. Um, and people are often pretty scared if they come in with like skinny fats, usually what we see because yeah. people haven't lifted well up until now and they want help with that. Yeah. And it's the reason why they haven't got muscle mass. Yeah. And so they layer that with fat because they want to have some sort of bigger frame mm-hmm. because they're, I feel like, you know, society, no one wants to be small. So then 
they're, they're coming to us and they're like, I want to drop body fat, but I don't want to drop body fat to a stage where I'm small. It's like, well, you've, you've got to. Like, you, you've only got 50 kilos of lean mass and you're sitting at like 80 kilos. So therefore, you're like, you're 25% body fat or whatever it is. If you're going to be lean, like, you're going to be at 60 kilos. Yeah, if you're going to be lean, you're going to be 60 kilos and there's nothing you can do about it. And until you accept that fact, you're going to be a skinny dude and then we can help you build muscle. But, you know, and obviously you build some along the way, but I think that's the biggest thing is people are skinny fat. But the pe- generally, when people think they want an awesome rig and they want to add heaps of muscle, generally, if they drop 5% body fat or, you know, if they drop body fat, then they're much happier with the, their rig. Body, body, like muscle mass takes time to add and, and but body fat can come off you know much quicker yeah and you look good lean you look good lean like that's the thing like a lot of guys are like oh i need to put on five ten kilos of muscle <laughs> no. it's like yeah well maybe like that, that's probably going to be pretty hard if you've been training for 10 years you know like if you said oh, i want to be 92 and lean it's like yeah probably not not not, not without a whole bunch of you know <laughs> extracurricular activities yeah <laughs> and some people go that route and then but you know like if you're not going if you don't want to go that path then you know, the, it's better to accept like, yeah, I'm going to add some muscle, but it's going to be very gradual. And in, when I want to look awesome, it's about getting a bit leaner. Like it's yeah, it's something. It takes education as well. But it's all yeah, it's all an education process, isn't it? Yeah, and I think what we're talking about, like the so the gyms out there that aren't measuring any of this, you know, not that they aren't, but I think you know they're doing the eight week challenges and stuff um, where they get on the in body scan and they get a piece of paper saying they're lean, which probably isn't accurate anyway, just based on like I've been in conference with um, this new mob called Sozo who've made a electrical impedance thing that measures water and they've, they've admitted like nothing out there can actually measure body fat. What they're doing is measuring water and mm. reverse engineering some sort of formula. Yep. So skin folds have been the, the most accurate by yeah. far in terms of what we know. It's just time consuming. Just time consuming. And, and if they're not measuring anything else, like how, you know, because we have an F45 upstairs and nothing against them, but you see the same people walking past and they're, they're, not me- they're not changing their body composition and you know they're not measuring anything upstairs. Like they're not measuring how much they can deadlift, squat, press. So what are they doing? And it's fine that not everyone wants to do that. It might be their 45 minutes of release, but... I definitely know of one very prominent chain that started measuring their clients body fat levels and they saw that their product was making people fatter and they squashed that data i know for a fact from the company that was measuring across multiple facilities i'm not going to slander the brand but like they literally saw okay this product doesn't work uh i don't think we'll share the data of the fat results of our clients yeah because (laughs) they they weren't willing to liquidate themselves or tell people hey like come to us you're going to get fatter um, but yeah, like I think that being willing to have that accountability in your business of, of, of regular testing, but then also having, you know, I, I like the challenge idea. Like I think it's good to have a period of focus, whether it's coming up to a weightlifting competition, a CrossFit competition, you know, some kind of in-house, you know, event that you're going to have, you're taking crew to Spain, like, you know, Blake Morrison's over there taking gym members to Spain. You've got this thing, this deadline, and you're working towards it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think the problem with those challenges, the short-term challenges is like, oh yeah, I'll starve you for, you know, 10, 12 weeks on a calorie-restricted diet, and you'll look leaner at the end of the thing, but like, it's not sustainable. You're not gonna stick with the plan. You haven't gained any strength. You haven't gained any muscle. Uh, Is that a good service? Like, no, but 
if, if you do it right, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Like sometimes someone will get to the point in their life, they'll look in the mirror and they'll go, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to keep looking at this. Like I'm going to change this thing. And they do want to go like, yeah, boom, like this is the time. Like let's go hard. What's the deal? Let's yeah. go 12 weeks. I want to be at this. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that as long as, you know, you want them to have a long-term vision as well. But I think people push it too far of like, oh, it needs to be one step at a time. You know, the kind of precision nutrition mentality of like one habit at a time and you know, we're going to do this over 10 years. Well, sometimes it's not the, you know, that's sometimes that's not the motivation. Sometimes that's not the best method. Like sometimes you just make a call, execute, and then you've got that experience to go forward with. And then you go again. Yeah. It's both sides. Give them what they, Mario always says this, like give them what they want, but give them what they need at the same time. Mario Paggio, shout out. Yeah, big shout out. Up up in Brizzy. Caught up with him last week. Oh, yep. He's good, dude. Catching up with everyone, man. Yeah, it's we all roll in the same. We roll in the same circles, don't we? Yeah, but yeah, that's it. And uh, if you don't give it to them straight up, then they're going to go somewhere else that probably isn't. You know, if you back yourself, isn't as qualified as you to get them the result. So that's what I tell my guys that I'm like, look, it's not selling. You know, don't feel like you know, because that's the biggest thing. A lot of PTs don't want to sell because they don't want to be sleazy and all that marketing. Like the guys that are killing it are the really good marketers, and they look sleazy. Like, and then it comes across like I don't want to be sleazy, but I say to my guys like we've got a really good product we know it works like we've we've got the testimonials to back up data to prove that when someone comes to you and says they want help you you sell them the product because if you don't they're going to go to somewhere else that won't deliver that result and then they're like oh that makes way more sense now like it's not selling anymore it's helping so much head noise goes on in people's minds about exchange of money yeah but if they go and buy a coffee or they go and buy a lounge they go and buy a car they go and buy a house expect to pay like people are kind of like happy with paying a lot of people are happy with paying and they get like a dopamine hit from paying yeah but they're horrendously uncomfortable with receiving money from other people and money and people saying like i believe in you i'd like to work with you like that's that's a huge part of the journey i think for people who want to have an impact on the world like oh i'm just going to be the cheapest gym in town and i'm just (laughs) going to like i'm the heart of mother Teresa because my product's cheap it was like, well, yeah, so you're going to have crappy equipment, you're going to have crappy clients, you're not going to continue to invest in your own education, and, and this is serving who? Like, yeah, how do you go? Like, you're not the cheapest gym in town by far. Nah. What, like, what, how do you choose your price point, and how do you go with that? Like, with people being like, well, what, you're not 30 bucks a week, or you're not seven bucks a session? Or- we used to get a bit of kickback, and I think people now know that when they come in like we we sell a pretty high rate like i'd say eight out of ten would just sign up on the phone now like i just sell over the phone and um it works really well and i used to yeah like i've probably done 500 sales calls now over time but it used to be a little uncomfortable being like yeah we're 89 bucks a week or not because now we're not 97 bucks a week now it's like yep cool and i just don't even tell them and i'm just like all right cool so starting from monday 97 a week and they're like yep sweet no dramas and it's like it's just you just tell them like you're a doctor sort of prescribing what they need and then it's like here's the price when you beat around you act a little bit inconfident they can tell and then then it becomes awkward like oh this guy doesn't back himself i'm gonna ask for a discount so would you generally haggle if you went to a shoulder specialist or something like that a doctor would you be like <laughs> nah, sorry, oh, can you do surgery for like i'll give you two and a half yeah <laughs> yeah give me two and a half yeah well that's it and that's the way it is hard to do when you're first starting because you just want the money yeah and it's like if you can get 50 bucks it's better than getting zero dollars so you just half your 97 dollars a week yeah i'll come in for 50 did you do that i probably would have like i probably even still like if someone 
it's hard, but it's hard sometimes because you have a heart as well, and it is a community-based business, and you're in it because you, like, to a large extent, you want to help people. If you you don't hang around, if you're not, you know, like, there's all different motivators. Yeah. But then, yeah, like, there are circumstances where you're like, man, I want to help this person. Like, I I bought a guy into my level one. Level one's two hundred fifty bucks. It's on. It's fifty percent off at the moment. It's two hundred fifty bucks. Level one online, and then the face to face is also two hundred fifty. If you want to do it both, it's five hundred bucks. So I'm talking to this guy, uh, in, um. I want to say Albania, but it's the new, whatever. He's in Kosovo. And I'm like, like, and he's a cool guy. He can do a one-arm chin-up. He's just yeah. finishing his law degree. Like, he's, <laughs> he's a legend. Like, we chat on Instagram stuff. And we have this massive chat. And I'm like, I want to help this guy. Like, this guy, you know, like, I can see there's probably some limiting beliefs and experiences around business. But, like, he's smart. Yeah. He does the work. Like, you don't get a one-arm chin-up and a law degree, you know, being, being a lazy dude. <laughs> and I'm so I'm like well, what do I do for this guy like he's you know they don't make the money that we make so I'm like offer him this massive discount and he comes in there and no, I can't can't uh, can't do it but he you know he, we end up making a bit of a deal but sometimes I feel like oh, I shouldn't you know I can't discount this but then there's also well like what if I can help a guy to have the best gym in Kosovo would I be excited about that like yeah and that comes down to that hey? 100% like and that's like that's ultimately the reward and there needs to be some exchange but sometimes I feel like at least in my product which is, you know is kind of internationally if I'm, if I'm speaking to someone in Bangladesh or India or China in the you know the months and years to come like doesn't necessarily like I don't necessarily care how much money they pay I just want them to get an epic result but I know if they don't pay anything the chances yeah. of getting an epic result are cut massively right it never works what about like um, how long do you give people like after they, after you, uh, if someone says, oh, I need to have a think about it or whatever, like what do you do? I usually just throw it in the bin. They're never going to come back. <laughs> yeah. If they don't make a decision then and there, like they're not really, I mean, people do come back. We probably get, um, say, if, like out of the 10 people that don't sign up, like say every 10 people that don't sign up, one or two will come back within yeah. three or four months anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a system where they sort of stay in the back end and yeah, we nurture them, them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. They get our newsletters and stuff. But um, they do come back because I think people just, especially now, there's so much information. Like they, they do paralysis by analysis and, and sometimes you can just get caught up. Like if, if your marketing isn't spot on enough, they're not going to know what, yeah, you, what do. you do. And then if they do need that little bit longer, they just take like six months to t- make the decision. Eventually, you know, they, they go back to F45 or they go back to the fitness first or, and they're like, fuck, all right, now, I'll come, I'm ready to come back now. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I think we've uh, nailed pretty much everything. In yeah, this, it's like uh, a 17-hour podcast. <laughs> Is there anything you want to, anything else you want to share, finish up with? Why no. do you do what you do? Ooh, big one. Why do I, I don't know, I like... Yeah, I just want to, I think I, I know a lot about what I do and I like doing what I do in terms of the human body and moving, you know, expanding human potential and I want to make sure that I don't leave a stone unturned. Like I want to try and make an impact on that and try and help people live like a life on purpose type thing. How do you hope people remember you or Ooh. speak about you? Like, the- I had to do this once uh, with Marcus Gersey. He made me write down like your eulogy yeah. it was quite a powerful thing to write down what people would say at your funeral and I think about that all the time yeah I I yeah I want people to obviously remember me for like yeah the impact I made on the the S&C world and the general population sort of sector and helping people realise that there is a better way to train which will then lead to you know expanding human potential that way 
in terms of like actually remembering me for anything like I don't think I don't know so far I don't think I'm going to make a global impact but I mean at least for the people that I, I touch will hopefully remember me as like someone that yeah cared enough to make a big difference yeah so you yeah. motivated by getting by getting a result you're making a difference in their life like that's you keep getting making your product better and working hard to have better coaches and better systems so that they can have that powerful experience that they that they hold on to yeah I think so I mean if you look at CrossFit like he probably just started thinking he wants to make the world a better place and I, like it's always cliche to, to say that you know what I mean like mm. oh, I want to make the world a better place and you do though but not everyone's going to be able to do it I think you got to start small and, and start helping the people around you first mm. and if it, it, it might work out that obviously if your method's good enough and your message is good enough then you can start influencing other people mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's just so it may, it's so enriching for your personal journey. I think that is ultimately probably the biggest thing that we have. It's so enriching for your personal journey to try to contribute to other people's journeys and the challenges of managing managing yourself through that process and just being better in yourself. Like I think the better you can become and the you know the more balanced you are and the more knowledgeable you are you know you, you start to have much more confidence in transferring belief to other people and that's like i think that it's still such an internal game as much as like i do definitely think on that global level and you know i'm glad that i've presented in multiple countries and there's you know there's crew all around the place but i think like it's just by th- trying to play that game like it's so enriching for the personal journey i think you still got to be aware that that's what it is like as yeah. much as you're talking about like fixing other people it's like well no who, like who do I need to be and who am I becoming like who is this process making me and if this process isn't making me better then I should probably change the process you know what I mean like your gym's yeah. like a tool for self-development 100% because if the gym and if the gym stinks then you stink you know yeah. what I mean like <laughs> and if the gym like kills it and you just you, know, you can you can do five of them like Every every gym owner who's making a profit thinks, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna franchise this baby and we're going global. You know yeah. what I mean? And out exactly. of the out of the real moment crew, like there's yeah, there's like one or two guys that have sort of got two places, but not really. Like heaps, you know, a lot of people thought about it, but it just hasn't like it's not an easy thing to do, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I spoke to someone a couple of days ago and they're like, Yep, I'm gonna be the first one that really nails it. Cool man, go after it, you know, like it's um Go and get it. But it's yeah, like that's I think rushing it as well, like, you know, I've only been doing it for four or five years and it's so you're so quick to want to jump on and do everything so fast. When you look at people like, you know, Glassman and stuff, he was doing it for like 10, 15 years before he started. And even since then, like, the Bergeron's, like, he's had his affiliate for like 10 years now. And it's like, you don't have to rush, mm. like, continue making your product better before expanding. Like, we're talking about four, is that the right way or the wrong way to look at it? But mm. but in trying to expand, you learn so much that if you hadn't tried our time and like you know like that's been massively enriching for your personal journey yeah because you, you know you took it on didn't go it wasn't all roses you realized not everything you touch turns to gold yeah. always and so you have another level of humility and consideration and like you yeah, know like true. it's so enriching that you did go for it yeah yeah for sure i think it's definitely yeah you sort of it's sort of selfish in a way that you want to do all this stuff to make your life better but it's also for the you know altruistic as well like you want it to be for everyone else there's a a really good buddhist quote about that i don't really know but you know like the greatest way to serve is you know the the most selfish people spend their life helping others kind of thing yeah 
Yeah. That's like there's, Very true. there's something along those lines. I can. That's what I kind of feel like it is. Like I know it's pretty selfish, but I also know like these people are having big shifts and that's a good thing. Like, that's a good thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know it makes I mean? you so, feel good when you can change someone's life and I think that's yeah. what I want more of those moments is when you can get through to people and then if you can multiply that, I suppose, then you know, you're going to wake up every day having a good life because you've helped so many people yep. change their life. I think that's probably the easiest way to explain it. I think that's it, man. I think we, I think we know this thing. I think it's a great thing to finish on of like, let's do stuff to help other people and that's going to make our lives better. Like if you, you know, Breno's donated his time here this morning as, far, as long as I don't get an invoice. <laughs> as far as I'm aware. Um, yeah, if you got something out of it, like drop him a line, drop him a message, you know, go and do one of his courses and spend some time. If you're local, go and you know, be a member, check it out. Like it's definitely a place that's getting amazing results and, yeah, like I sort of started coaching Brando in a, in a way, like one of the people that's coached him on the journey. Now, you know, like we hang out as peers and yeah. I, I, I love learning from you and hearing about what you're trying. And, you know, we both always got, you know, a big idea that we, yeah. we, we feel like is the, the next big nut. So like I, I, I love, you know, that we can have those those connections and just, yeah, looking forward to continuing that journey with you, following, following along and catching up from time to time, whether it's down here or up on the farm or wherever it's wherever it's going to be but yeah thanks for making time today cheers bro and um yeah the journey continues you champion thanks bro that was good i hope you enjoyed it if you really enjoyed it and you'd like to hear more podcasts please subscribe to real movement podcast think about sharing this one out to some of your friends maybe your clients other people who you know are on a mission to improve themselves and would love to be elite in the world of coaching or they love physical training uh, if you've got any other feedback that you'd like to share please do that look forward to seeing you at one of the upcoming events or as a member of the real movement mentorship in which case we'll be seeing and hearing a lot from each other talk to you soon keegan smith signing off for real movement